Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I am recording here in Phoenix, Arizona. I've got my friend Dar Colburn and my nephew Jay Pyburn. Guys, how you doing? Morning. How you doing, buddy? You know, it's good thing we're looking outside right now and it's raining straight down and sideways. I'm kind of pumped about this year's moisture. Dar, I know you've got to be super pumped because your boy's got a one boy's got a uh, archery elk tag, and I guess he's got an antelope tag as well, and Paul didn't draw, correct? Yeah, Paul didn't draw. Parker's got a unit 10 archery bull tag and a 5A rifle antelope tag. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What about you, Jay? Did you draw anything this N- year? Nothing. You're goose-egged? Goose-egged. Well, somebody's got to be goose-egged, Somebody's right? got to do it. Yeah. It's been me the last 11 years, so. Yeah. Did you apply, or did you just put in for points i just did bonus points uh with my obligation at the ot six ranch this is our first year that we're going to be on ranching for wildlife and the ranching for wildlife program will start september 1st and kind of go through december 31st and even though it's a great moisture year with my position there um I, I just felt like I needed to be there at the ranch and so I didn't want to have a conflict though it's going to be killing me seeing you guys probably knocking down some giants this year you know the flowers in unit 10 are going to be about waist high yeah the when there's yellow flowers mm-hmm. in unit 10 you know the antler growth is good mm-hmm. um jay i know you were really thinking that you had a pretty good chance to draw a tag and i think we can all talk about the fact that it seems like on a good year people really flood the you know flood the draw and maybe take some of those odds where you think that you're you know have a pretty good chance and then i know a couple buddies of mine put in for unit 10 archery with 19 as non-residents and according to the gohan insider you know it should have been a a, a, you know 100 percent guaranteed deal but they didn't draw. And I think a bunch of that's probably people that gave their tags back last year. And that's probably the case you were in, yeah, you know, kind of right on the bubble, Jay, where it's like, should have probably got a tag, but everybody flooded it this year with the great moisture. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Dar, we haven't been in 10 in a while. Yeah, I want to say, I was thinking about that. I think 2011 was the last time I guided there. And... um about that time, they had really increased the archery permits and the early rifle permits, and I, it was kind of like after that year, I just said I, it was too much of a rat race, and I, I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a while, but I'm sure the old old haunts are still loaded with elk. So yeah, you know, uh, I think this year could be a lot like 2005. Mm-hmm. um you remember 2005 was I just do. absolutely ridiculous you spent like a month up there mm-hmm. i think you spent like two weeks before the season even started and found that one real big bull that had the extra point between his yeah. fourth and fifth and just some giant bulls that year i think this year could be similar with the exception of the tag numbers have been so high i don't think the quality is quite going to be there across the board like it was in 05 yeah probably from what i've been told the age group or age class is not quite as high as it was back then um a lot of people i want to say there was 150 or 200 archery permits at that time it was 200 they bumped it up to 200 but the thing that killed it i think Mm -hmm. was the 100 early rifle permits right and so all those guys it was either 50 or 100 early rifle but all those guys were there the second weekend of the archery hunt scouting 
Yeah. And it just was, I mean, it, it was a rat race. Yeah. Uh, both of you, uh, Dar, you just got off the guided hunts, uh, in Mexico. Jay, you've been down to Mexico. You did the DIY with Daniel Willett last year. Um, you know, what was your take on your DIY experience down there in Mexico? Oh, we, I mean, we had a great time. I think just the culture and, you know, from the time we left Phoenix to the time we got down to the ranch, it was just fun and new you know it's just new territory something we'd never done before um it's the first time i really ever left the country short of mission trip to mexico when i was in high school but yeah i mean we had a blast and and the ranch was beautiful that we got to hunt and we both ended up killing pretty good bucks and it was just such a surreal you know it felt like we we're in a time machine almost just didn't not, take you guys long to knock a couple no, bucks down yeah. did it <laughs> yeah we both killed you know 100 and 105-ish class deer in 12 hours so um you know we had fun for sure it was uh you know just seeing the ranchers and you know they're over there making food telling you to come try it and yeah you know it just was a it was a really cool thing and just not to have other people messing with you you know just yeah and then we went down you went with me last year on your first Gould's turkey in Mexico and shot a beautiful bird with your bow I remember that first shot you shot him and I, I'm videoing, I'm thinking, he missed. Yeah. And then he goes back to the decoys and starts beating on the decoys, and he shoots again. Turns out Hugh hit him the first time. He just went right back and started beating yeah. on the decoys. He's, it's crazy, think remember? he's dead on his feet. Yeah, I remember Haynes was sitting next to me. He said, you missed him. I said, he's six yards away. I didn't, I didn't miss him. <laughs> yeah, it blew through so fast. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah, I don't, I'm no scientist, but I think if I ever did a turkey, well, I'll never shoot another turkey with a bow. It's so much more gratifying to shoot him with a shotgun. In Here, the we face, but, Here we go. Here we go. You know, I'm sitting there going, God, if I ever did that again, I think I'd have to turn the poundage down and get that arrow to stick in him. I don't know if that'd help or not, but. I think it blew through so fast. I've seen that too with bows where they just go right back to beating the yeah. decoys. Um, well, when your arms are four feet long and you're shooting tree trunks for arrows, yeah. I mean, it's a turkey. <laughs> like getting hit with a two by four. Mm-hmm. Well, we ran over to him and found him and he had, I mean, I hit him in the same spot twice. He yeah. had a big old gaping hole in him and he was dead. But yeah, he didn't know whether he was coming or going. He had arrows going both ways through him. <laughs> During that same spot last year, uh, later you ended up batting cleanup over there on that ranch and had those birds fly right in off the ridge. You had already shot a bird. Yeah. Another group of birds flew down off the ridge, and you had tucked the bird you just shot. I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, so it was the, I think it was the first afternoon. Same spot you We were got in to the Jay ranch. Crash. Yeah. And, yeah, Jay had hunted it, what, it was a couple weeks before? Yeah. And uh, we go down in this little canyon and set up and call the bird in. The one guy shoots him, and I tell him to be quiet because there's, you know, I know there's another gobbler around. And so I, I go pick his bird up, and they switch positions, you know, um, the shooter's up front now. And I grab the, the first guy's bird, and I put it like a foot or two basically right behind me next to the tree and start calling again. And probably 30 minutes later, some birds pitch, fly in off this big ridge, and basically like, ducks coming into the decoys it was so cool because you were able you must have heard them and saw them coming because you were able to capture them i mean a a huge distance away yeah flying in like ducks yeah amazing video i'll let you finish yeah and so the they kind of flew 
passed the decoy and actually landed right next to me. And the gobbler, he saw that dead bird laying right behind me, and he came right over to it and was pulling at its skin on its face and digging it with his his feet and pecking it and They're just ruthless, like hyper focused on it for I mean several minutes went by and finally I'm like I I'm gonna I no one's gonna believe me that this bird is a foot from me so I slowly turned the camera around and started videoing it and then I finally got my phone out and turned it on and was videoing Taking behind selfies me selfies and. and it was ridiculous. Yeah, you so know. he ended up losing interest after probably ten minutes and walked over to the decoy and the guy shot him. Amazing so, yeah. clip, man. So that was pretty neat. Amazing Dar's known clip. to get good turkey footage. I remember when we were in New Mexico a couple of years ago. Dar had Parker and Paul. We mm-hmm. showed back up at camp that first morning, and how'd you do? Oh, nothing. Parker comes, hands an arrow to me, and you had all the footage of those birds up in those trees. Oh I mean, yeah, there had to be a yeah. hundred of them up there. Yeah. That was a really fun trip with that was that was Shannon and my brother Will and Paul and Parker and, yeah, and Hunter and, and yeah that was a really fun trip. That's the same trip where I think it was an afternoon hunt where you guys went back to that same area and had I think the the bird was standing on top of the Dave Smith decoy. Yep. And then Paul shot one and Parker got one. They both, I mm-hmm. think they no, doubled. that's right. Yeah, they doubled. Parker shot his with his bow right. and it's on film. And then Parker shot the next one or Paul shot yep. the next one. With a shot. Yeah. 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 You guys got great footage there. Yeah. That was a fun trip. We've had some fun ones. Uh, I can remember a long time ago. I think it was Jay's first deer. Uh, by the way, Jay is my nephew. Jay Pyburn is my nephew. Uh, he is the oldest son of my sister, Dee Dee. And uh, I believe your first year, you would have been 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, or I was thinking grade school of some sort. You, yeah. you were over in California at the time and came over and darn, I took you and got a yeah. coos deer. No, I was in, uh, that's when we were living in Nevada. And uh, I came back after a football game and I flew in. That's and, right. And mm-hmm. I remember you guys were all there. And I remember I shot that buck right at dark and it's we coos, came back. Right? The coos deer, yeah. we came back and found him the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a that was a good one. <laughs> I think I would have been in sixth grade. Yeah, I yeah. I was thinking you were like game. eleven or twelve. Yeah, yeah. You were still bigger than me. Oh yeah, still am. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a large human. Um, let's take a second here, uh, Jay. You're my nephew. Uh, like you said, you were in Nevada, then you were in California. Talk a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, and then you're doing your sports sure. and different things. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, moved from Phoenix when I was, uh, halfway through my sixth grade year, moved to Nevada, um, lived there for three years and then moved to California right before my sophomore year. Um, ended up playing football, you know, I played football most of my life. Um, and then I got a scholarship to go play in college up in Montana at Montana tech university and, um, played there, played left tackle kind of I had, uh, I think I had 11 or 12 um, scholarships, and at school in Montana, that, that head coach told me the most interesting thing I'd ever heard. He said, you know you're never going to play football once you're done with college. I, I thought, what? How dare he speak to me like that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I thought, you know what? He said, you're six foot two. you're, you know, 290, you know, playing left tackle. You're a big boy, but, I mean, you're not going to. And I thought, huh. He said, you like to hunt. You like to fish. Why don't you move to Montana? It's heaven. And I, 
I was actually committed to go play at a school in Colorado, and I, I called him back the next day and said, I'm really sorry, but I had a change of heart. He, I, I appreciated the honesty for sure, but no, I loved football, and I ended up having a few too many knocks to the noggin and decided to put the put the helmet away. And uh, Well, I think it's a smart decision with yeah. what we know now about concussions and yeah. CTE and some of these other things. I mean, I think you had five concussions in one season. Yeah, probably. Which explains some of the things that rattle around yeah, inside sure. your brain. Yeah. Some of the Darby makes, makes a lot of sense yeah. now. Dar and Jay are real estate partners, and now, now it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Dar gets all the residuals. No, that – all that stuff really started to come to light when I was in college. You know, in high school, I was at a small school, and we were actually – we had a pretty good football team, and um, you think you're tough. You re- you get your bell rung, and you think, we got 32 kids on the team. If if I'm out of the game, there you know, there's not really somebody who can come in here and do what I do. So you play through it. And when I was a freshman, that was when, you know, the incident with Junior Seau happened, and, and they started um, – you know, really realizing that there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I'll tell you, I look at the helmet that my brother wears in college um, compared to the stuff I wore, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we're just light years ahead. Yeah. You know, the, even the stuff that I wore, they came out with these real nice helmets, and it was groundbreaking because we used to put those helmets on that hurt your ears just to put them on. You felt like you, your head was in a trash compactor. And Take that a step further, and your dad, uh, Jay's, Jay's dad, was an amazing athlete, uh, multiple sport athlete, baseball, football, uh, multiple draft pick, yeah. just, just the stud of an athlete. Think of oh, what the he helmet wore. he yeah. wore. And then I see photos of what my granddaddy wore when he was playing at Auburn, and, I mean, he had a leather helmet. I mean, It's crazy. And I think those guys back then were a lot tougher than we are now, un- undoubtedly, but it's just you think about – you know, the collisions and the impacts that, you know, happen every every play um, playing in those positions in the trenches. It's like, man, how are you wearing a leather helmet on your head? That's unbelievable that you're even alive. Yeah. You know? Do you think, though, even back then when they were wearing the leather helmets, the size of player was not as big? Yeah, no. But you could argue that the, the, the contact was still yeah. every bit as aggressive. I agree. But the size wasn't as it big. It was a different game. You know, uh, two years ago they – put my granddaddy on the all-time team at Auburn and they said he was the best defensive end and tight end to ever play at Auburn and I talked to my dad about that and I just said that's uh, you know and obviously they did that out of respect for my granddaddy who I believe was a was a very very tough football player and I believe he was mean and nasty but the reality is a six foot tall 195 pound kid is not even going to make the team at Auburn today right not to take away from what he accomplished back then and his accolades but it's a different game. I mean, they didn't have guys that look like J.J. Watt in the 50s. That just right. that kind of human didn't exist yet. Um, I think people are bigger and faster and stronger now, undoubtedly. Um, but I think it's interesting because I, I do believe they're probably a heck of a lot tougher back back sure. then. Um, I, I do believe that. But it's, it, it is funny to look at that and say, hey, you're telling me this, this little skinny kid from Ensley, Alabama was the best and to ever play at Auburn, he wouldn't even make the team today. You know, it's interesting, though. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. And, Dar, uh, your your youngest son is playing lacrosse, so it's a team sport. Um, Jay, you've, you've played lots of football, but you've also played basketball, baseball. You've played a lot of yeah. team sports. And you guys are a team, a real estate team, um, and we're going to talk about this later, but – how does playing team sports in your mind build character yeah. in the young kids, you know, 
Yeah. Let's face it. What is it? A half a percent of kids or maybe even less are ever going to be a professional yeah. athlete. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in your in your mind and Dar, what you've witnessed um, with your own playing sports in high school and, and grade school and stuff, but then also what you witnessed with your kids, Jay, what what are you guys both seeing that team sports do to help build, you know, kids yeah. nowadays with their business, <clears throat> with different things that they're doing? I learned a lot playing football about accountability. You know, it's, it's an 11, there's 11 guys on the field at the same time, but, you know, one guy makes a mistake and, and, and the play's a dud, or one guy misses a block and, you know, everyone else can do their assignment to a T, but, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link and weakest link. And, you know, for me, I, I learned a lot about teamwork and camaraderie. And, you know, I think me and Dar, you know, work really well together and it does translate, but I, I do attribute a lot of those lessons that I learned to playing football and, you know, going to work, you know, two a days at four thirty in the morning and going, Oh man, this sucks. We're all here. No one wants to be here. I, I'm going to quit tomorrow and you never quit. You know, I remember we, we would always talk about it. I swear if we got to run gassers after practice again, we're just going to walk out. You know, you're never going to do it. Yeah. But, you know, you just have your guys that you're there in the trenches with. And, you know, some of my best friends today, everyone told me, man, when you're done, you're not going to be friends with any of those guys. And it's like, you know, some, most of my best friends today are people I played football with because I trust them. You know, when I moved away to go to college, you know, I had friends that were taking care of my brother, going to his football games, being a brother to him. And I just think there's a bond that you can create with sports that, you know, I'm sure there's other ways to create bonds like that, but I think you'd be darn tough to find one that, that does it like sports. And, you know, for me, it was football. Um, Dar, what are you seeing, um, you know, with your boys and what do you see out there? Do you think, do you think that team mentality is still being taught or do you, you know, what do you guys think? I do. Uh, one, one thing I, I mean, I agree with everything that Jay said, um, about working as a team and you're building those bonds and friendships um, that, you know, last a lifetime. Uh, Another thing I think you do is, you know, you got to learn to to be a a part of a team with sometimes people that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with or even get along with. And you you may not like them, but you got to figure out how to make it work work with them. And that's, I see that with my kids, whether it's a, a teacher or a friend at school or someone they don't like at school or a teacher they don't like, well, you know, you're going to be dealing with that your whole life, whether it's on a team in the classroom or someone you work with. So you got to figure out, you know, how to get along with them and work together and, you know, do your thing, even though you may not like them. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, for sure. I think about kind of segueing here. I think about that team mentality, um, about our our guiding and and the clients that mm-hmm. we deal with in Mexico on these Goulds Turkey and on these coos deer hunts, where you have um, you know several different guides. Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses, and you have to kind of ham and egg it, and you mm-hmm. know make up for where. And even with clients, um, you know, if if a client is not real comfortable walking in the dark, he's uneasy. He's you know it just can't see as well i mean you have to do things where you make up for other people's weaknesses sure um if they tell you hey you know i'm not very comfortable shooting over you know 400 yards or 500 yards or whatever 300 yards i mean we've had them all sure you as a guide you kind of have to you know you kind of have to 
make up for their weaknesses and we're all a team when we go down to Mexico and hunt deer and Jay you know you saw with you and Daniel you were acting as a team going yeah. down there and hunt on one of the DIY ranches um, with that Dar um, you and I this year did something a little different uh, in Mexico up until this year we had always guided together mm-hmm. on the same property and because of the demand for the hunts we actually structured it different this year where you and I both took different guides with us and we went to separate properties. And um, I, I'm just curious on your trips, you had uh, two, tr- three trips. Um, how in your mind did that work for you as far as uh, being able to split up and, and we can actually handle more people now and take more guided trips? Uh, but how was Mexico for you? It was good. And I, I think, splitting up like you said enabled us to you know serve our customers better is what it came down to we just had so many people it seemed like that you know had wanted to go for two years and we're just like well we we don't have a spot we always give our our hunters from from the current year after the hunt chance to rebook and we just were we're getting so much repeat business that we didn't have any spots and so that's how we started kind of brainstorming what can we do to you know, accommodate these other hunters. And I, I think it worked out well. I, I certainly missed not being able to spend some time hunting with you. You missed not getting grilled every yeah, morning yeah. and every evening about getting what you Getting asked the saw. same question four times in a row mm-hmm. until and you get the answer you want. I know wanted. you missed Jay's cooking too. Well, the man, cooking he is, just lights yeah, it up. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. He makes a granola bar like no one oh, I've yeah, ever I can, I can warm a Pop-Tart for <laughs> <laughs> Um, On the second, let's see. Overall antler growth, in my opinion, down in Mexico this year was average at best. I, I think totally our rains agree. came late. I mean, even when we got home, you look across the board, some of our friends that are outfitters down there and such, I just think there was not very many great deer shot. And, you know, I think we did very, very well for, for the year. Um, but I would say antler growth was, I mean, average at best. Yeah, and I would agree. probably that's probably being nice. And I, the hard thing is, you know, we were looking at the country. It looks like it, it. the country looked really good. But I agree that in talking with the ranchers and knowing what happened here in Arizona, the monsoon was late. It was okay. We did get a lot of rain in, like, September, October, the which the country already. greened up and had nice grass. But, I mean, they're done growing yeah for the most part so even even that buck um you just brought that buck that parker saw and it's the first time or that parker shot in october mm-hmm. on in arizona not down in mexico i mean it's a beautiful giant deer big eye guards like 113 inch buck but you pointed out that his beams looked a little short um he just to me he looked he's heavy he's an older age class buck and he, but he looks like compact, compact. yeah and, and kind of compact beams. Like right. he could have had, you know, at least two or three more inches mm-hmm. on the beams. And we saw a lot of that down in Mexico. Um, you did get one really, really nice deer on the very last trip that was that, you know, kind of wide and had mm-hmm. beams that came way around, like 120-inch buck uh, with Dan Dirksen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was a ranch that we hunted the year before, and some of those bucks we had seen but there was a few bucks there that kind of showed up yep and it that's the type of place and and i would say you can 
you know, testify to this, but it seems like most of these ranches, there'll be an area or two on the ranch that is a rut hole or that draws deer from, from other parts of the ranch and or other ranches. Um, and so if you have an area that, that they like to rut in that where we killed that buck is some rollers, um, a little bit gentler country, but there's a lot of does in there. So it seems like those bucks just show up. Um, you know, you could probably go there in October and not see them, but in the rut, they just show up there. Yeah. A rut hole for sure. Yep. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you guys are, so Dar, you and I worked from, I got my real estate license in 97. I think you got yours in 2000, 2001, 2001. And we, as soon as you got your license, we worked together, uh, for quite a while mm -hmm. and did a lot of business. Our focus mainly was residential land. Yep. Uh, we worked a lot in the Desert Hills area, the Rio Verde area. Um, we did stuff out in Whitman, Whitman. Surprise. Mm -hmm. um, Mostly county, county, county land. island, mm -hmm. county, county land, acre lots, mm -hmm. um, you know, buying properties in bulk, bringing in utilities and selling them off. Uh, and then the market crashed in 2008. And you kind of transitioned more into doing a lot of residential mm -hmm. uh, properties where when we were real hot and heavy in the land business, we really didn't have time um, for it because we were so focused on what we were doing in our little niche areas. Y you transitioned, uh, you know, 09, 2010 into doing primarily residential real estate. Um, talk a little bit about that transition into residential real estate and kind of what state you're at now in, you know, servicing your clients. Sure. Well, when we were, you know, going crazy with the land stuff, when the market crashed, I mean, we were, we were selling lots in the acre lots in, in Desert Hills, Rio Verde for, you know, 250,000 a lot. And then the market crashed and we were buying them back at lots that we had actually developed and sold for 250,000. We were buying back for 25 to 50,000 a lot. And so when, when your business is selling land and land isn't selling, you know, it, it reached a point where I, I was guiding a lot then because, because, um, because of what the market was doing, trying to make in try. Yeah. Just trying to, to do something to make money. And then, I just realized that the land, you know, the home started to come back and, and people are always going to have to buy and sell, you know, if they move here, they leave here. So I just started selling homes, um, more and more just because basically out of necessity, mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to get a nine to five job. Um, so I started doing that and, and just transitioned into, into homes, um, still do some land like Jay and I were out in, uh, and Whitman in our old stomping grounds the other day. And, I, you know, that's always fun. It's yeah. still still fun. But um, the land has not come back like, like the housing market has, for sure. Yeah. And then, Jay, five years ago, uh, you got your real estate license. Yep. I remember you and I having a lot of conversations, and I was real adamant that sales position of some sort, whatever you decided on, was going to be huge because you're you're – amazing people person you have really good people skills and you're you're a great salesman um and you chose real estate got your real estate license 
And at the beginning, when you got your real estate license, I kind of want to talk about um, kind of those beginnings and you started doing a lot of residential rentals. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I had kind of talked when I started, I did a bunch of residential yeah. rentals at the beginning and it was a good way to jumpstart yeah. and make immediate money. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. And then I'll ask you guys some questions about, you know, you guys merger and working together. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it probably was the better part of a year before, you know, w- once I, got my license and passed the test it was it was a year um before i made a sale i think you know and i didn't think it was going to be easy but you know looking back i wouldn't hire some little young kid that's going to cowboy around and let his let my deal be his first so um you know i would get rentals you know generate leads on you know multiple platforms and just, I mean, it's really just sweeping the floor. Um, I think a lot of people get into real estate and think, oh, everyone's going to call me, but you know, they're, they're not. So I, I think for me, I, I learned how to be a real estate agent. I learned how to, you know, show houses and treat clients. I learned how to write contracts. I basically learned how to do all of that stuff. So by the time my first residential sale came along, it was like, oh, I've done this 500 times. And yeah. And I think you and I even had conversations how, when I first started, how important doing rentals was because it gave you reps just like in sports it gives you reps and you know you're taking people out every day you may be taking multiple clients out looking for rentals looking at a lot of homes so it got you in homes got you going through the process which then and i'm going to ask you about like the confidence in being able to do that and get quite a bit of reps how that's kind of helped you yeah. Now, in you know, you got you and Dar just doing incredible with the residential resale. Just how does that confidence yeah. work in doing so many rentals? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had done a hundred by the time I had ever done a sale, so I knew how to talk to agents. I knew what I brought to the table. I was confident in my abilities. Obviously, I was still learning, and I and I still am. Um, but you know, it, it gave me the confidence. That I've done this a hundred times. Maybe the the end game is a little bit differently. The check's a lot smaller, yeah. but you know, I just think it's one of those things. I think you, you got to sweep the floors if you're going to learn how to do the job the right way. And um, I, I think it really was um, instrumental for me to learn how to, to do what, what we're able to do now um, just because, you know, it was a straight year. I didn't make a lot of money, but I worked I worked really mm-hmm. hard and, you know. Well, and your, your grandpa does a bunch of property management and rentals, so yeah. he... he he helped you and yeah, you were a absolutely. good asset for him. And so that, that was a, I think a good, yeah, good no, start. absolutely. Absolutely. And then you guys have kind of formed and created a team sold AZ right on Instagram. Um, and you guys call it the Colburn Pyburn team. Uh huh. That's right. Uh, talk a little bit about what you guys do. Um, you know, or you'd spend tons of time marketing or is it, is it word of mouth clients you've already worked with? Like talk a little bit about what your service, you know, it's, it's a service oriented business, but how mm-hmm. you generate your leads and, and the majority of your business, how, how do you get the majority of your business? I would say the majority of our business from what I see is just word of mouth. People you've worked yep, with. Yeah. People we've worked with, people that give us a referral that know us either Jay or myself or both of us and, um, you know, pass our contact info along, um, which I enjoy because typically when that happens that you have 
a common interest or yeah. common yeah. relationship. So it's it just it feels easier to, you know, take someone out that you yeah. have something in common with. And I know you guys do a ton of business with hunters and fishermen, we do. Mm-hmm. tons of sportsmen, and, mm-hmm. and that's important to both of you. Um, with that being said, what is it like to be dealing with someone that has a passion for hunting and fishing? It's got to be cool to have that bond with your client, whether they're the buyer or the seller. And, you know, they've got mounts on the wall and yeah. you've got to have the discussion. Okay. You know, the house might show better without the mount, you know, and, but, yeah. but yeah. having that bond, talk a little bit about that sportsman's bond. I just, I think it doesn't leave things to be forced. I think sometimes, you know, I think a lot of real estate agents have a, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, there's a idea that real estate agents are pushy. They are untrustworthy and fake, fake. You know, and I, I just think that with Dar and I, we can go and, and there are friends once the, you know, whether, whether, whether there are friends beforehand or we become friends during the transaction, we, we do have that common interest. And, you know, we took a listing appointment a couple of days ago and we got, do I need to take this elk off the wall? Yeah, I know. I mean, but it just, it gives you something to talk about as opposed to just, yeah, sign this, sign this. This is what we think. Um, we try to come at it from a real friendly approach and, and we do leave, you know, the majority of our transactions being, being closer friends than we were to begin with, with these people, just because we're, you know, we're working with them on a, on a daily basis. And I know you guys just came from, um, a home inspection, mm-hmm. uh, and home inspection is a huge part of the residential business where whether you're representing the seller or the buyer, I think in this case, you guys are representing the buyer, but it's important that the home and the condition of the home, yeah. uh, regardless if you're a seller or buyer, you want it to be a fair uh, deal. You want everything in the house to be working. And I know there's a little bit of a negotiation between, you know, who's going to pay for what. Um, talk a little bit about the majority of your business, whether you're dealing with buyers, sellers, um, you know, houses. Talk about maybe, you know, price range that you guys, you know, areas of the valley, you know, do you focus in just one particular spot or, or is it more of a wide range of, of, you know, areas and what have you, or do you just go wherever the clients, whatever the client's needs are? Usually it's wherever the client's needs are. And I mean, I'd say we do have our areas that we've, we've sold more homes in, but at the same time, if, if someone calls us, you know, that's the benefit of having us both. Um, We can usually cover you or or take care of you Mm -hmm. having two of us. Would you say that you do ever bit as much um, listings and representing sellers as buyers? Is it a 50-50 or would you say you work more with buyers than you do with the sellers or where does it? I almost think we work more with buyers. I do too. It's probably 60-40. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like that. I I really do. I mean, listings are great also, but you know, the thing with the listings, you've got that one house and if somebody doesn't like it and the next person, then, you know, I like having a buyer that is motivated to go because if they don't like this one, well, we got seven more that we're about to go look at in the next two hours. So we'll find one that you like. Um, Yeah. And Mm -hmm. my question with that is both of you being hunters and it's, it's a lot like hunting. I mean, you, you take what's, you know, if someone's looking for a big coos deer and they're like, I want a non-typical, like you're going to look for a non-typical. Talk a little but bit. But you about also have to be realistic and say, Bob, 
No one's ever shot a 150 non-typical in this unit. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to sell Everybody your house for a million dollars, but no one, not one has sold in this subdivision for that price. Talk about that um, happen to be realistic with people and having the conversation of here's what the comps are, here's yeah. what the market's doing, and how important that is that, um, you know, to have that conversation to say, listen, you know, we don't want to be so overpriced that your house sits yeah. here for six months you know, yeah. then it just becomes charred meat. Talk a little bit about that. We, we had a listing appointment a couple of weeks ago and they had been on the market last year. Um, you know, when the market was pretty good, it was very good. Um, and it, it didn't sell. And we came over due to a referral, you know, the guy hunted and we just said, Hey, I mean, yeah, I, I told them we're, we won't ever lie about price to get a listing. It, it just wastes everybody's time. So I think, you know, Dar and I try to be brutally honest with people, um, you know, without that sounding, you know, not, not with not, without any negative connotations, but I mean, we, Hey, this is where we're going to sell. I mean, the numbers don't lie, you know? Um, yeah. and, and he ended up listing with us. He had, he had interviews with a few other agents and, um, you know, he, he just said, I appreciate the honesty. I don't, uh, I, I, I told him I thought they were overpriced by 15,000 and, and you it's know, huge it's yeah it's everything to make sure it, you're on point. it doesn't do us or them any good if if it's priced so high that we can't sell it and yeah. it's not going to sell yeah um, guys i want to take a quick second here to thank the sponsors of the podcast i want to thank gohunt.com my friend cody nelson which both of you know is the optics manager there at gohunt.com and if you guys that are listening if you have any optics needs or optics questions at all be sure to call him at 702-847-8747 that's extension two now i like to say on the podcast that i tell the listeners to make sure to tell cody that if he doesn't take care of you i'm going to come put him in a stranglehold so make sure you tell him i'm going to give you i'm going to give him a black eye if he doesn't uh, take care of you he promises me he will and i see uh, almost daily messages from uh, listeners and Instagram followers, how Cody has taken care of him on optics, but give him a ring. Uh, you can also reach out to him at optics at gohunt.com. Now, both whether you call him or send him an email, that goes directly to him. So you're dealing directly with Cody. I also want to thank Go Hunt Insider. We're right in the middle of application season. Uh, Go Hunt Insider is the best draw odds and harvest statistics, they have the best strategy articles of any Western hunting resource out there. Uh, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just by signing up if you go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and go check them out. I also want to thank Kuyu. That's K-U-I-U. I know both Jay and Dar wear Kuyu gear. Uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, go to Kuyu, K-U-I-U.com to find out more about their gear. I'm going to be having a question and answer session with Brendan Burns. I've got a bunch of questions that have come in uh, that we're going to be doing a podcast with him. Uh, I also want to thank Canyon Coolers based right here in Arizona. If you use the jscott19 promo code at canyoncoolers.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, we also have kind of a, a cool giveaway and a promotion that we're going to be running here uh, quickly that you, I want you guys to be on the lookout for at canyoncoolers.com. Uh, I'll be putting it on my Instagram and this podcast. You guys are going to like this uh, promotion. 
Uh, also, phonescope.com, use the JSCOT19 promo code to get a 10% discount. And last but not least, the onxmaps.com. Uh, if you use the JSCOT19 promo code, you're going to get a 20% discount. Go to onxmaps.com to get that discount. Guys, we've talked hunting. We've talked real estate. I, I want to talk a little bit more about both. But right now, how is the real estate market? We're talking particularly the Metro Phoenix area. Um what are you seeing going on out there? What market is, is hot? What's not? Where are we at? Well, the, the market's just now, I would say, starting to pick up again um, after the holidays. It's starting to get busy. Um, I would, Jake can answer this too, but I would say, you know, anything under 300000 that's decent is a quick sell Snatched. or very competitive if, if you're representing a buyer. Why is that price range? Why is three hundred and under? Why do you think that it's so um, such a rapid market? I just think that's the the vast majority, the average person that's kind of in their wheelhouse for what they can afford, and um, so it's just a numbers game. Yeah, supply and demand. And with with interest rates still historically low, maybe they're not as low as they mm -hmm. were, say, a year or year and a half yeah. ago, but historically low. Talk about the movement there with, with low um, interest rates. I just still think, I mean, there's there's so many great options, maybe not in Metro Phoenix, but, you know, on the outskirts of it where I live, where Dar lives, where, you know, a, a normal people can still afford to buy a $300,000, $350,000 house and you're not paying 8 9% making your payments, you know, completely not feasible for you you know me and shannon uh we just we built a new home in november and it, it just it's our our interest rate is a a percentage higher than the first home home that we bought because we bought it in i don't even know what year it is now i think it was in 2016 or 15 we bought that that home and um it it just still makes it affordable i i i, I we're still just in such a good spot in that price range, really, that... There's still so many people yeah. moving into this area. Well, and, and I I think we didn't talk about it, but Jay and I have been selling quite a few new construction, new homes, and we've got, I think, three going right now. I think we did 13 or 14 in the last six months yeah, of the year, just, last year. I mean, the interest rate's still low. The builders are still building. It may be a little bit farther out, um, but you get a lot for your dollar. Um we have people, I mean, it seems weekly coming from California to call us. They're selling their house in California yeah. and they're buying something for a third of the price here. And so the affordability absolutely. compared from California Our market to is Arizona. super affordable. I, I mean, think this is the most inexpensive major city in the country, if you really think about it. Um, and I have, you know, I lived in California. I have a lot of friends of mine that have moved out here and they're just awestruck. You know, I have a lot of clients who come from California and they consolidate all their rentals in, in the Phoenix area, whether it's Glendale, Mesa, Surprise, wherever it may be. And they buy a lot of them out here and, you know, they'll do a 1031 exchange. They'll sell a home in Los Angeles County that's 1,100 square feet for 900000 and they'll come here and buy 10 condos and do short-term rentals or long-term rentals or, yeah, 
you know. Speaking mm-hmm. of rentals, um, last March you found me a heck of a buy on a rental up in Anthem. It's a good one, huh? I got a phone call and Jay says, "Man, I found this great deal. It's this smoking deal. I, I uh, thought I had someone to buy it, and I just, I, I'm, I can't believe it. It's such a good deal." I was like, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> like he starts, Yeah, he sends me over a couple pictures and. And next thing we know, we're under contract. And then I said, well, get me a tenant. I think five days yeah, later, I had a quick. tenant. I mean, after I closed and that tenant's still in there. Um, talk a little bit about you guys' work, not only with mom and pop, you know, um, clients and what have you, but also with investors who are wanting to buy homes uh, to rent out, whether it yeah. be long-term or short-term rentals. I would say the last couple of years, that's probably been close to half of my business has been finding investment properties. Just, I mean, you know, I, I've told you about those condos that, you know, I've sold, I think I've sold nine in that complex and they, they never have any vacancy. They, they, you know, some of them are short term, some of them are long term. It just kind of depends what the client's goal is. You know, the short term rentals are really becoming a, a popular thing. I think my generation has made stuff like that possible because I, I don't I don't know that 20 years ago that would have been mm-hmm. a, they would have mm-hmm. said that's just absolutely crazy to mm-hmm. think yeah you're going to rent your house out for what are these one we just left a inspection for for a podcast listener. I mean he's saying he's going to rent this place was it 180 dollars a night mm-hmm. for a condo and that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean that's any and you pull up the stats and it's like guys it's not crazy it's actually this is actually what's going on but the idea of it is just oh my well gosh. when you look at you look at what's going on especially with spring training mm-hmm. and, yeah. but you look at the metro phoenix area I mean, from the affordability, but from the amount of sunshine that we have to the amount of things that you can do we in this job, valley. We've got yeah. lots of jobs, jobs, lots of activities, yeah. great weather. I mean, yeah, the weather, affordability. Yeah. yeah. You know, and speaking about jobs, though, the thing that I, I do tell a lot of people is, you know, it, I feel like if you come from Los Angeles or you come from Las Vegas, your job is in Los Angeles typically, or your job is on the Las Vegas Strip. Like that industry supports the jobs, but you look at all these communities now, like if you lived in Anthem, there's jobs in Anthem that you could have. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you live in Surprise, it's not like everybody has to come. Now, a lot of people do, but you don't necessarily have to drive to downtown Phoenix. I feel like the people that do that are few and far between. And it's like, it's just expanded so much and there's jobs everywhere. And I mean, it's just a, it's a really interesting place where you can build a, a new home for, you know, we've got one under contract right now in West Phoenix for 189 for a, a beautiful brand new home with granite and tile floor and for $189,000, where else can you buy that? Yeah. Um, uh, one more question. And then I want to talk, um, finish up with some hunting stuff. You guys could go from selling a $1.5 million house to selling a hundred thousand dollar condo. In other words, you guys do it all, right? Mm-hmm. You will do anything. Buyers, yeah. I mean, sellers. like you said last week, we're in Whitman, looking at a piece of land with you know the guy wants to split up and build a couple houses and so we can help them split it and do all that stuff and today you were doing a home inspection mm-hmm. on a on a house that's going to be a rental potentially mm-hmm. yep um we are staring turkey season in the face mm-hmm. it's always a good time of year dar you sold your boat normally you'd be all fired up going to roosevelt and going yeah. to san carlos so the fishing bug you you're too busy with uh, lacrosse yeah lacrosse season and i just wasn't using the boat as much and 
hunting or fishing, I'm going to choose hunting. Yeah. That w- we always say fishing is just a thing to get through <laughs> hunting season. Yeah, to pass the time between hunting season. And so, Dar, tell me what you've got going for turkey season. Um, I, both my boys have uh, the juniors hunt, so I'll go on that with them. It's kind of our, our tradition. Um, we always go on that. And the uh, this will be the last year Parker can hunt on the juniors tag. So he'll be eighteen. He'll after be this. eighteen. So this is my kind of. It's all downhill. It's all downhill for. He, he's <laughs> off off the tit, <laughs> uh, so to speak. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we always camp in the same spot. You know where we go. I mean, mm-hmm. we've camped there for seven or eight years. Um, it's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that, and then I believe I I go to Mexico right before that with a trip, and then take the boys, and then go back um, couple for a couple more trips. A couple more trips down in, in Mexico for Goulds. Yeah. Now you, I think you're in a dry spell this spring because you didn't draw any tags. I know. Will no. this be the first spring that you could potentially go and not shoot a turkey? I think this would probably be the first spring that I haven't gone to kill a turkey and. A long time a little kid. years yeah we had that good run in california that was always we had a place that i would take jay and his brother will uh in california still good friends we just seems like our schedules Can't haven't matched but yeah incredible i mean i remember you guys i mean will he wasn't very old no will was a little sucker for yeah. sure and we we used to pound those birds over there those were some of the funnest the most fun turkey hunts ever just the country was beautiful and you know the guys we would stay with i still talk to you know i still talk to him yeah he's a good guy great guy made friends with his son-in-law you know watch your daughters grow up they were you remember how little those girls were when we i mean they're i think one of them's in high school now it's crazy unbelievable it's unbelievable well guys um it's been a fun time sitting here chatting with you. I, I know you guys got appointments here after this and got to get going. Um, Want to give you guys a chance to let the listeners know how they can find you, how they can follow you. If they want to talk more hunting, they want to talk real estate. Um, so I'll give you a chance. I'll also link it up in the show notes of this podcast. Call Dar after 10 p.m. <laughs> That's the best way to get a hold you, of him. You, you guarantee will not get a hold of me if it's after 10 p.m. <laughs> He's been asleep for two <laughs> yeah, hours. Exactly. You may catch me at yeah. four in the morning, but you're not catching yeah. me at ten at night. Dar yeah. puts his nighties on <laughs> at like six thirty. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you can find us on Facebook, Colburn Pyburn Team. Find us on Instagram. Um, if you search Colburn Pyburn Team, we'll come up. But we're under the handle Soul Day Z. Yeah. We can't change that because I got the license plate with it, so we're stuck <laughs> with it. And you know, you can reach. What about out. your personal pages? Uh, Jay Pyburn and and Dar Colburn. Yep. I think we're both on there. Easy to find. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, I'll link it up in the show notes, guys. It's always fun chatting. What do you got going on? Any hunts coming up besides Goulds or so, what's your schedule? Yeah, no personal hunts. I've got the Goulds turkeys. I got a full slate of Goulds turkeys. I think six trips in a row. Uh, and then when I get done with that, I'm actually going to head back up to Colorado. Um, we're going to have a big runoff this year, so probably won't fish heavy uh, around the Roaring Fork Valley till probably July 1st because of the snowfall, which is great. Last year was a drought. We were fishing by June, actually probably the end of May we were fishing already, which is great, but then it ends quick. Um, try and catch some of that cicada hatch up on the green and 
salmon fly hatch on the Gunnison and, and then of course the green drake hatch on the Roaring Fork and the caddis hatch is there on the Roaring Fork and the Eagle. Um, then we'll be doing some hunting on the Ot 6 Ranch this fall. So, Are you um, actually going to have some hunters or just the owners? Or? Yeah, just the owners uh, this year. We do have one Ranching for Wildlife hunter. Uh, it has to be a Colorado resident. Uh, I believe it's October 23rd through November 1st. So there's one hunter, uh, public hunter. Um, it'll be a, They'll draw it, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun to take them. It'll be the first public hunter on the ranch. And, um, yeah, so lots of good things ahead. I'm super stoked about the moisture all across the yeah. southwest. I think, you know, everyone's going to have some great hunts, and I think it's going to be a really good time uh, this fall. I think, you know, you, you and Parker in Unit 10 are probably going to have a ball. Um, I'm excited to see the fact they've kept the tag numbers mm -hmm. down and, I think that hunt, I think unit 10 is definitely on the upswing. Yeah. Be interesting to see after you hunt it compared to some of the, you know, the glory days when we were rolling around in there. Yeah. It's going to be hard to top those days, but I've, I've heard it's coming back. So yeah, it'll be some fun. of our friends have also mm -hmm. drawn um, some good tags. So yeah, just basically um, excited for spring, um, but looking forward to fall for sure. Well, we've got a, a box lacrosse tournament in Denver think it's in july so i might be uh so you're saying, swinging in for a, a, a there's a chance lip ripping dar, day or two. dar is crazy because when i first met him he was so crazed about fly fishing and one of the best fly casters and could catch fish like crazy and then you went through a period of where you just didn't fish just didn't have time well i i used to manage fly fishing shops so that was kind of my job i liked it that's how i got into it because i liked fly fishing right. liked fishing but it was one of those deals where I, that was all I did for a long time, and it just kind of got burned, burned out. out. Yeah, yeah. kind of how I did with golf. Yeah. So, guys, um, great having you here. Um, congratulations on the Colburn Pyburn team, the success you guys have had with your real estate. Um, you know, just amazing. I, you guys won some awards this year with your companies, and, um, you know, I, I get people telling me all the time, um, you know, how good you guys are doing, and, and you know it doesn't surprise me at all with the guys that you are and the genuine people that you both are um just just awesome to see you guys both succeeding and great to see real estate market that's strong and robust and um yeah looking forward to some great hunts so god bless you both yes sir thanks, thanks for, for having us on. thanks for having us yeah